Let us pray together the prayer for illumination. Holy God, as we turn to scriptures, open our hearts and minds that we may encounter you in the person of Jesus Christ. Be with us as the word is read and proclaimed, that we may know you more fully and follow you more faithfully. A lesson from the, from the Gospel of John, chapter, five, chapter 4, verses 5 through 19. So he came to a Samaritan city called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob was there, and Jesus, tired out by his journey, was sitting by the well, and was about, it was about noon. A Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. His disciples had gone to the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How, how is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a woman of Samaria? Jews do not share things in common with the Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked them that he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have no bucket, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our ancestor Jacob, who gave us the well, and with his sons and, and his flocks drank from it? Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but those who drink of the water that I will give them will never be thirsty. The water that I will give will become in them a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I may never be thirsty or have to keep coming here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and then come back. The woman, the woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You are right in saying I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one that you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I see that you are a prophet. The woman said to him, I know the Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will proclaim all things to us. Jesus said to her, I am he, the one who is speaking to you. Then, just then, his disciples came. They were astonished that he was speaking with a woman, but no one said, What do you want? Or, Why are you speaking with her? The woman left her water jar and went back to the city. She said to the people, Come and see a man who told me everything I have ever done. He cannot be the Messiah, can he? They left the city and were on and were on their way to him. Many Samaritans from the city believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I have ever done. The word of God for the people of God. You may be seated if you're a grown-up, and if you are a child and would like to come forward, I'd love to spend a few minutes with you up here. And if you're worshiping from home or you're out of town on spring break, we'd love to, to move a little bit closer to your screens, and we'll have a moment together. Come on up. There's a little bit of water there, so be careful. That's good stuff. The waters of baptism. Good morning, good morning. Come on up. Look at everybody. I'm so glad you're here this morning. Is that your brother? Oh, glad to see you guys. 
Come on up. I want to tell you a pretend story that I made up as I was thinking about the story that Noah just read. Once upon a time, there was a teacher who had a classroom full of students, and she decided that for one week, she was going to give half the students blue shirts to wear and half the students yellow shirts to wear. And she wanted them to be the blue team and the yellow team. And all week long, they were going to be competing with each other, like who could do the math problems faster and which team would win the kickball game. And so it was blue versus yellow versus blue versus yellow. And she noticed that as the week went on, all the kids who were on the blue team started to sit together at the lunch table and the yellow team was sitting over here and They kind of started to tease each other and stick their tongue out. You're the yellow team. You're the blue team. So the week ended, and she said, okay, everybody give me your shirts. I'm going to take them home and wash them. And she brought them back on Monday morning, and all the shirts were green. You know, if you mix blue and yellow together, you get green. By the way, you should wear green on Friday. It's St. Patrick's Day. And so everybody put on their green shirts, and they were all the same. Well, good. I hope you get a green dress. So the teacher gave everybody green shirts. Green cookies. Oh, oh, exciting. Well, these are green shirts, not green cookies. But everybody was dressed the same all of a sudden. And the teacher said, you know what? We actually are all on the same team. It's easy to start thinking that other people are different from us and to think maybe we're better than them. But the truth is, we're all important and we all matter. And God loves all of us just as much as we can be loved. The story that Noah read for us was about two different kinds of people. There were Jews and Samaritans, and they didn't always like each other, and they didn't get along. But Jesus was teaching this woman that with God, we're all loved, and we're all included. So let's remember that next time we see somebody, that that person's a child of God too, and so am I, and God loves all of us. We're all on the same team. Let's pray together. Gracious God, we thank you for creating each one of us as unique and special with the different names and different talents and things we can do, and for loving each and every person you have ever created. Help us to know that about ourselves and to treat everybody else like they too are your beloved children. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you all so much for listening, and I hope you enjoy your green cookies. And three, four, and five-year-olds can go to Children's Church with Pastor Francis and Pastor Maggie. You're three. Well, good. You can go to Children's Church. And if you're older than that, you can go back and sit with parents. So before worship started, I got to meet some folks who are worshiping with us for the first time. And so to catch you all up, or if perhaps... You're a member here, but you haven't been in a while. You may not know that during this season of Lent, we are walking through the Gospel of John and listening in to these one-on-one conversations that Jesus has with all different kinds of people. This morning, we overhear the conversation between him and a woman of Samaria, and it is the longest conversation of all. 
In fact, it's the longest conversation Jesus has with anyone in all of the Gospels. We had to cut out some of those verses just because we didn't want Noah to lose his voice up there reading that long text. It's a deeply layered, important conversation. And if you've been in church for a while, you may have heard it before. There are lots of different ways to interpret this story, but you may have heard before the interpretation that this woman of Samaria was of questionable reputation. I read a commentary this week, it was written sometime in the 80s, that that had a whole paragraph about how immoral she was, how she was promiscuous, considered a loose woman. That's one interpretation, and I'm not going to lie, it's not my favorite, because that's extrapolating a lot from these verses. There are a lot of ways to understand this woman and her story. And I'm afraid that over the decades and centuries, she's been stereotyped in a way that might prevent us from hearing more deeply who she is and knowing her story. So I want to invite us, myself included, because this is exactly the interpretation I grew up hearing, to set aside that stereotype to set aside that particular interpretation and give the story a fresh look. Let's listen in on this conversation and and see what's there and see what it might reveal to us. As always, we are interpreting scripture. You may have a different interpretation from me. So this is where I've been on a journey with this text this week. Jesus finds himself in the land of Samaria. He's been in Jerusalem. Last week, we overheard a conversation between him and a Pharisee named Nicodemus that took place in Jerusalem after he'd turned over the tables and stirred up some trouble. And now he's on his way back to Galilee to continue the Galilean ministry. Now, there are other ways to get to Galilee, longer ways, but Jesus chooses to go through Samaria. I think it's part of his mission he is an intention, he's intentionally going to Samaria to reach those folks with the good news of God's grace. So he and his disciples have been walking, have been traveling, they've had a long day. The disciples go to get some food in the village and Jesus takes a seat at the well. And John tells us he's tired, he's thirsty. He begins this conversation in a place of need and vulnerability. And because of that need, he speaks to this woman. And just by speaking to her, he is already stepping way over cultural boundaries, expectations, good manners. What he says to her is, give me a drink. And what he's asking for is her hospitality. She has something to offer him. And she, he's asking if she will help him. Now her first response is to respect the cultural boundaries. She's the one who kind of builds up a wall and reminds him in case he's forgotten, he's a Jew and she's a Samaritan and she's a woman. Now Jews and Samaritans were close in a lot of ways, tracing their ancestry and their faith back to Jacob and the God of Israel, but they had a lot of theological and cultural differences and they did not get along. They didn't really associate with each other. So for Jesus to speak to her as a Samaritan was crossing the line, 
But on top of that, he's a single man, she is an unaccompanied woman, and in those days, in that culture, that was not okay. So we don't really know if she is saying this to Jesus as a way of protecting herself and her reputation in case someone walks up, or protecting him, maybe not wanting him to get in trouble, or just saying this is the way things are, that's the boundary. But Jesus never read Miss Manners. Jesus never had a lot of of respect for those sorts of things, and he just steps right over those cultural boundaries and continues the conversation. In fact, he begins to open the door to show her a little bit of who he is. If you only knew who had asked you for a drink of water, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Now we know as the readers that Jesus is talking about spiritual things. He's talking about the Holy Spirit that can dwell within us and refresh our souls day in and day out. This eternal life that begins now in relationship with God through him. But she doesn't know that. Much as we saw last week in the conversation with Nicodemus, and we'll see again, she's thinking literally, where's this living water? For her, living water means a river, some sort of flowing water. So, sir, tell me where to get this water, because, boy, I don't want to have to keep coming to this well all the time. And then Jesus changes the subject on her. Go and find your husband. Now, why did he say that? I don't know. It could be that he's opening the door for her to tell him her story, because he already knows her story, apparently. It could be that he is asking for more hospitality. He may be saying, go and find your husband so that you can get his permission to invite me into your home and take me in as a guest. This give and take of hospitality, it's hard to tell. But when he says, go and find your husband, she says, I have no husband. And he responds, that's true. In fact, you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. No judgment, no condemnation. He doesn't go from there to say, therefore, you must change your ways. He doesn't tell her to repent or change anything that she does or anything that she is. He just names her story. And that is the verse that has caused her to be stereotyped in a particular way that she's had five husbands and now is with someone who's not her husband. But what if she'd been widowed five times? Can you imagine the grief and pain of her story? Or maybe she'd been widowed a couple of times and then there were three other men who divorced her, perhaps because she couldn't have children. Imagine that loss and pain. As a woman in that culture, she had very little power I had one, read one commentary, said the fact that she had five husbands tells us one thing, she's poor. Women in that culture were totally dependent. If a woman was single, she had to be cared for by her father, her brother, a relative, or a husband to protect her and provide for her. And this woman had been perhaps passed from one to another The person she's living with might be a relative, might be someone that she's taking care of, but to take that one verse and 
use it to lay on this stereotype distances us from her and maybe makes it feel like it's not as much our story. But again, Jesus just knows her story and receives her as she is. And when he says the truth about who she is, she says, Sir, I see that you are a prophet. Now, all throughout John's gospel, we'll see this imagery of seeing and blindness. There are those who see who Jesus is and those who are blind to who Jesus is. Next week, a blind man will be healed and the one who was blind will see who Jesus is and the religious leaders who ought to be able to see remain blind. And this may also give us a clue to this whole thing about being at the well at noon. It's often interpreted that she came in the middle of the day because that way she could avoid all the other women who would go at the early part of the day when it was cooler. And that may be true. That may absolutely be true because people may have whispered about her. But could it also be John included this detail as a contrast with Nicodemus who comes at night in secret and this conversation with the Samaritan woman takes place in broad daylight and she sees Jesus and he sees her. I can see that you are a prophet. She goes on to say later, we know that Messiah is coming. It's as if there's something already stirring in her about who Jesus is. We know that the Messiah is coming and when he comes, he will tell us everything. He'll proclaim everything. And then the most astounding thing happens, y'all. Jesus says to her, I am he, the one who is speaking to you. It's not as strong in the English as it is in the Greek, but he is saying to her, I am. Do you remember back in the book of Exodus when Moses sees the burning bush and says to God, tell me your name? And God says, I am. It is a name that the Jews would not even utter out loud. Many still don't. But Jesus looks at this woman and says, I am. He hasn't told anybody yet who he is, not even his disciples. And I don't know of anywhere else in all the gospel that he looks someone in the eye and says, I am. She has been seen her story has been received, and he shares himself fully with her, this mutual hospitality and relationship. And then she drops her water jug and goes running down the hill. And she goes into the village and she says, I have to tell you about this man who's told me everything I've ever done. That's what changed and transformed for her, that she was seen, that somebody knew her whole story and then responded the way Jesus responded. And all of these people in that Samaritan village came to see Jesus. And by the end of the story, they all believe that he's the savior of the world. She is the first preacher of the gospel in all of the gospels. As we hear this story, as you hear this story, there are so many layers and places to hear from the Spirit, and I hope that you hear what the Spirit wants you to hear this morning. It may be that what you need to hear more than anything is that Jesus knows your story, knows everything you've ever done, knows everything about you, and just like with this woman, doesn't judge 
or condemn, but receives you as you are and offers himself in all of his fullness and love and grace to you to be an ever-flowing source of life and love and grace within you. That may be what you need to hear, and I hope you hear that. One of the things that I hear in this story is an invitation to the church, to us as followers of Jesus, maybe a model for us as we consider, dare I say it, evangelism. What is evangelism but sharing the good news of God's grace with other people out in the world? And we see Jesus going into this conversation with an openness to receive this woman as she is. We see him crossing over cultural boundaries, going to be with people he's not supposed to be with, talking with a woman he's not supposed to talk with, who's different, whose views are different, whose life is different, and just meeting her where she is. He doesn't try to change her or make her into anything she's not already. He just loves her and shares grace with her, and that is what changes her life. What would it look like for us as the followers of Jesus to boldly cross the cultural boundaries around us? To be willing to show up among people and in places that might make us uncomfortable and not go in to fix things or change people, but just to be in relationship, to receive and hear the stories, and to include and welcome, to come alongside on this journey that we're on. It's easy to fall into stereotypes all on all sides, and how those can get in the way of real relationship and knowing one another. Uh, one of the commentaries I read on this text was by a scholar named Mitzi Smith. She's a womanist theologian and a biblical scholar and a pastor in the city of Detroit. And her essay was holding up this story of the woman at the well next to some of her experiences as a pastor in Detroit in 2017. She said in 2017, the water company cut off water for all the residents in a particular neighborhood whose bills were $150 or more in arrears. So these are poor families struggling to make ends meet who now have no water in their homes. And she talked about how some of the political conversation in that moment on all sides were dealing in these stereotypes of these people who won't pay their water bills, these lazy people who have all these kids and they just don't pay their bills. And it became so easy to demonize them and to see them as other because they were stereotyped. It's easy to cut off somebody's water if they're just a stereotype. But she said if, if you were to go into the neighborhood and be in relationship with people and hear their stories, it might change what you, the decisions you made. She told the story of one woman who was married, they had kids and had a very stable life, and then her husband left. And she was working several jobs trying to make ends meet, and it became a choice between taking her child to the doctor or buying her children's shoes or paying her water bill. What choice would any parent make in that situation? 
But going in and being in relationship and hearing the stories is what Jesus does and what he calls us to do as his followers. So there are all sorts of invitations coming to us from Jesus in this story. May we leave this time and this place going back out into the world intentionally, willingly going to places that make us uncomfortable or that stretch our experience and being open to whoever God has for us to meet and being willing perhaps even to be changed ourselves. Amen.